And I cannot tell you how many people simply don't start because they have this limiting thought in their mind that they have to do all the things right up front because they've done like a diet or a program in the past that was really restrictive and you had to follow this meal plan, you had to follow these rules. And we say all the time that it's so counterproductive to long-term behavior change because that leads to overwhelm, which leads to kind of, there's, it's just not an effective way to change your, your behavior. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, founder of Zivli. As a geriatric physical therapist, I saw the heartbreaking effects of insulin resistance. At Zivli, our mission is to help you prevent and reverse insulin resistance for long-term weight loss and disease prevention through a low insulin and inflammation lifestyle. Each week on this podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable tips to lose weight, keep it off, and get healthy. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte, and today I'm so excited to introduce you to one of our Zivli members, Rebecca. Um, She has been really active in office hours and she's made tremendous progress really um, during her time as a Zivli member and even before that. And I just thought I wanted to invite her on to share some of the wisdom and insight that she has gained. Um, She's also a registered nurse, so she has a medical background. She understands the concepts that we talk about all the time about, you know, lowering insulin and lowering inflammation. And the the point of the conversation today is really just to inspire you. Um, If you've been kind of like sitting on the sidelines and and learning that maybe not taking action for your health, um, or you haven't really figured out a system that works well for you. Um, we hope that this gives you some inspiration and motivation to just start no matter where you're at. Um, so Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited for this. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us just a little bit about yourself, maybe like where you're from, what you do for a living, uh, any hobbies so that people can kind of get to know you a little better. Okay. Um, I live near Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, when I was younger, I was an avid exerciser. Think Jane Fonda had matching outfits. I was an aerobics instructor. I was constantly dieting. I was constantly hungry and counting my calories. Um, then, um, I went to nursing school and (laughs) so put on quite a bit of weight there. Um, I still was struggling and managing. And then I went to nursing school again. And uh, when I became an RN and went into the hospital, um, my life changed. I had put on some weight in college and um, I was in a high stress environment in the intensive care unit and there was a candy drawer. So I put on quite a bit of weight. Um, I worked really hard to get it off. I lost all my weight um, and then I ran a marathon. So um, along with marathon training, your carb loading, spaghetti, oatmeal, I was eating a lot of um, foods, a lot of calories, um, and I was running it off. Then I found myself um, eating the calories and then chasing it, (laughs) trying, trying to run it off afterwards. Yeah. And it just got to be so exhausting. Um, I slowed down on my running, um, had some more career changes. Then I started, um, I was a visiting nurse for a while, started going through some drive-thrus. 
started with, you know, the drive-throughs, um, picking up something here, picking up something there. Um, then in the office, uh, we always had um, candy, um, cookies. Family members uh, would send us donuts, which is very sweet and very kind and well-meaning. You know, they want to do something nice for us. And um, I just, the, I just really got to eat. Anytime there was a donut or a cookie, it was really hard for me to say no. Um, I went uh, to work at a long-term care facility for a while and the donuts and the cookies and the candy was even worse. Um, when I, I would pack my lunch and I would go into the break room and there were two um, machines, you know, and the machines would actually make a noise every so many minutes. Like it was going through um, some sort of um, like a setup or it was a setting in the machine to make these noises to get your attention. I, I knew. Oh, wow. So, you know, the constant environment of candy and donuts and cookies and machines everywhere. So now at this point, I'm just eating all kinds of, I'm in a lot of stress. I'm not drinking enough water. Um, I went through menopause. Now I'm not sleeping. Um, I talked to my doctor about it. She says she doesn't believe in hormones. So, which um, uh, is well documented that when your estrogen goes down, your weight goes up. Mm -hmm. um, I went outside of the system and found another doctor who prescribed progesterone for me, which helped me sleep. And then he retired. So <laughs> I kept struggling. I would go to the store and I, my friend and I, we call it the gauntlet. You know, <laughs> you're going through constant candy and chips and everything that they can get you right through to the end. And now I've even noticed at the checkout when you're scanning, they got candy bars sitting right there now. They sure do. <laughs> so they've moved it. And the same has happened in the fruit and vegetable. You know, they say, you know, shop the outside of the aisles. But now the first thing you come in, I mean, you practically see the caramel dipping sauce before you even see the apples. Mm -hmm. you, know? So, you know, this is everywhere. And um, now, you know, I just, I just feel, you know, I just really felt attacked. I just really felt that I was in an unfriendly environment. Um, I, I was really angry, you know, that I just couldn't get away from this stuff. I even put a, a rubber band around my wrist and would snap myself, you know, when I was near the candy. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And um, it was such a struggle. And I was just so unhappy. And I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, what is going on? You know, I, I put on a lot of weight at this point. I was way over 200 pounds and I'm only five foot one. And at this point, it was just uncontrollable for me. I didn't feel good. Um, I didn't have my progesterone anymore. I wasn't sleeping. And I realized I was in this terrible, terrible state of inflammation. So um, I was hypertensive. I was snoring. Um, my skin, you know, didn't look as good. I was exhausted. Every, all the time, especially after eating, I just was exhausted. Um, well, I'm sure there's many more things I can't think of right now, but 
And then I've read so many books and (laughs) YouTube after book after book. I'm like, why is this happening to me? You know, so then that's what I did. I sat down and I wrote a list. Okay. What's, what are my problems? And why am I having these problems? So I'm identifying the why I'm having these problems. I know where I'm going. Um, My dad died at 68. He was diabetic. He had amputations, um, heart attack, hypertension. Um, He was on dialysis. And in the end, he had a stroke at 68. Um, I see my patients coming in. Um, They're younger and younger with these problems. And me, I'm having these problems. And it was embarrassing, you know. Um, And I'm a smart person. Why can't I figure this out? You know, so I've, you know, worked with many other professionals, with other, with doctors who have had these problems um, and other nurses, and we're all smart people, you know, and so I, I really did a lot of digging and research, and I was just coming to find this insulin, this high insulin idea. And that's what led me to your program. So when I look at your program, your program actually had everything in it that I was finding. You know, everything he has the sleep, the stress, um, the exercise, taking time for yourself. Um, when you say yes to something, you might be saying no to you. Um, and just really led me to a lot of soul searching. And, you know, there were some very difficult times when I started in the very beginning, there was so much, my, my whole, it was, it's just, there's so much It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I had to list everything and I just took it one little thing at a time. And while I was learning I was trying to change some of my behaviors I found and fell upon um, the habits. So when you're trying to do behavior changes, these habits are pathways in our brains and you just, it's these ruts and you start to get up, bam, you're back in it again. You start, it's so hard to develop new habits. Looking back, I think, well, this is so easy. You know, I have my two water bottles I fill in the morning. So I read that book, Atomic Habits, and I took a lot of things out of that. Um, a lot of your suggestions, I've, I've read it all and listened to everybody. Um, uh, and you, you make it obvious, you make it easy. My water bottles are very easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, what could be easier than that? I yep. just fill them up in the morning. I take them to work with me, you know, <laughs> so, and, um, I pack my lunches and now that, um, now that I know what's going on in my body and I'm, I'm paying attention and I could feel it, I could feel, you know, these cravings for sugar. And, um, so instead of being mad at myself or everybody else, I, just tried to step out and look at it objectively. 
you know, I know that the store isn't trying to kill me. <laughs> you know, my friends aren't trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. They're trying to, the store is trying to make money <laughs> yep. They're trying to sell things. My friends are trying to be kind to me. Uh, my patients' families are trying to be kind to me. Um, and, you know, sometimes you do things with for your kids and you get them some ice cream. You know, you're not meaning to be unkind. And so I just really, when I put away my anger and I just, I just had to put it all away because I was just tired. Mm-hmm. Was tired. Yeah. You were tired from the chronic inflammation and then the, the chronic kind of negative thinking we know negative thinking. Yes. And yeah, I want to go back to the overwhelm early on. Was that because, I mean, I, I, I'm not shy to say our program is very in-depth and very robust and that the second edition coming out in January is even more so, but was it more so like, wow, I have all of these areas of my life that I need to optimize. Is that where the overwhelm came from versus information overload or was it a combination? Well, it was everything. It was, well, not only that, it was also the awakening of what was really going on. Gotcha. And then when you find out you have to completely organize your whole life, you know, I mean, your program is very, very helpful. There's a lot of information, but you can only just really do one thing at a time. And so um, I started one thing at a time, you know, first I concentrated on sleep and water, you know, day after day, I would get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'd keep trying. I'd fail and fail and fail. You know, I, you know, I had times where I cried. I I had times where I had to avoid going to the grocery store, Mm -hmm. avoid I had to change my route driving home. So I wasn't driving past the fast food restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, if I took the visual out of the way, then it was easier for me. So now I can drive down the road and drive past the restaurants. But in the beginning, you know, I had to change that. So yeah, it's been many, many, many months. And now I'm I don't know, maybe seven months in. Now I've got it dialed in. I I don't have to have everything just right. I don't, you know, so I might plan something and it might not turn out, but it's okay. There's another day. Mm-hmm. I fill my water bottles. I take them to work every day. I, okay, maybe a day I couldn't find one or I don't know, something. So that day, maybe I'd need to go down and buy a bottle of water from the cafeteria, which I try to stay away from the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, because you pack your lunch. So, <laughs> yeah. I think another important point I didn't want to skip over was you said one thing at a time. Yes. And I cannot tell you how many people simply don't start because they have this limiting thought in their mind that they have to do all the things right up front because they've done like a diet or a program in the past that was really restrictive and you had to follow this meal plan, you had to follow these rules. And we say all the time that is so counterproductive to long-term behavior change because that leads to overwhelm, which leads to kind of, there's, it's just not an effective way to change your, your behavior. So slow and steady. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Um, I wanted to backtrack just a little bit. 
and talk about, um, the sugar cravings and the, you, you mentioned in an email like that sugar addiction. And I was just doing research this week for the new, um, and your carbon sugar cravings masterclass and sugar is, is an addictive substance. I mean, there is strong research behind that. Um, sugar addiction, isn't the word that we, the, the medical community uses anymore. They use the substance use disorder and it Mm -hmm. has to meet, there's 11 criteria for a substance to be considered addictive. Um, or more specifically for someone to say, I have a substance use disorder and I don't have all 11 off the top of my head. Um, but some of the major ones that really resonate with me and sugar and my history and sugar, which I'm guessing you can relate with are cravings, um, mm-hmm. eating it, even though it's to the detriment, the detriment of our health, yep. um, multiple repeated attempts to quit or reduce a substance yep. um, withdrawal from a yes. substance, you know, <laughs> and so it's like, even if you just meet two, So two to three is like a mild substance use disorder. And then I think it was, oh, four to five is a moderate. And then anything over six of the criteria um, is a more advanced substance use disorder. And I think it's, we need to normalize talking about sugar as a potentially addictive substance. Not everyone will have this issue, but darn it with how it lights up the dopamine receptors in the brain, Mm -hmm. that hedonic principle of it, it makes you want more and more. Um, and so I wanted you to speak into that a little bit and what were some of the major things that you implemented that helped reduce those cravings for you? Well, um, I had to say, you know, when you have a problem, when you're bargaining and trying to reason, trying to make excuses Mm -hmm. to have exceptions and when you're defending something so strongly, then that's got a grip on you. First, you know, it's just realizing it. And then um, I, of course, I had to get rid of everything in the house. Um, I felt like in the past, like when I tried Weight Watchers, you know, they'd have those little treats or in the past, I would do Werther's, you know, right. smaller, um, I would do little things and, and, um, and I've, I've heard lots of people defend that. Um, but for me, um, it was just keeping it going and I just had to stop. I just had to stop everything. And, and then I found some alternatives, um, like keto cake mix, make cupcakes. Um, there are some sugar-free ice creams and I let myself have a couple days a week. On the weekend, when I have time to enjoy it, if I'm working, I might skip the weekend or maybe do it on Monday. I try not to lock myself in because that perfectionist mindset will kill you. Mm-hmm. I just, a couple days a week, I can have something. Um, thank goodness I enjoy nuts. <laughs> so, but I have, yes, yeah, so now I have my keto. I prefer things that aren't in packages anymore. I mean, I had some. Yeah little package things, but, um, I prefer nuts or a sugar-free ice cream. And, and I let myself have those indulgences a couple of times a week. And that helps me. And they're always low sugar, Mm -hmm. um, or no sugar. So knowing that I can have something on Wednesday, someone comes in, Oh, I here's some cookies. And then, Oh, I can have my thing on Wednesday. Something at home I can have. 
And now um, with your program and thinking about insulin, a question I ask myself is, how is this going to affect my insulin? <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly I right. Know, test. know what it's going to do to me. And, um, you know, there, there's a period of grief, mm. grieving, a loss, and, and sadness. There's sadness and there's some anxiety, a lot of anxiety. I'm still anxious about it. I've been months without sugar now at this point. I'm still afraid <laughs> that I'm going to fall back in. I, I think maybe someday I'll get over that. Um, but I just, I'm afraid of going back to where I was and, and that my life is so much better now. I really feel at this point that the likelihood of that happening is very unlikely. And you know how in atomic habits, he says, every vote you, every decision you make is like a vote for or against the person that you want to become. Yes. And so I think that those ruts in your brain of like that sugar addiction mindset mm-hmm. um, were really deep, but the longer you're out of that, the, the more shout, like the deeper, the new habits get the, the new mm-hmm. neural pathways get. So I do think that you're going to get to the point where you're going to be fully confident, like, Nope, I, I'm not going back there yet. But yeah, it does take, like you said, mm-hmm. you've been at this for seven months and it really does take time for the brain to adapt mm-hmm. and develop that neuroplasticity of new pathways and new Mm -hmm. habits. And I think you've done such a beautiful job so far with that. Um, I think you have an interesting, I want to talk about a little bit more about your why. And before we get there, I think it's interesting to talk about like, what was the incident that happened because people might be listening <laughs> who I think can relate to this. And I like to say, you know, when, when God or the universe is trying to teach us something, they're going to start with a pebble. And if we don't pay attention, then we're going to get a rock. And if we don't pay attention still, we're going to get a boulder. And like, you kind yes. of got a boulder. So can you boulder. tell us about this incident that kind of was, um, that made you say enough is enough here. I'm going to change my yeah. life. Yeah. Well, my big why is health. I want to be healthy. I want to explore and travel and I like hiking. Mm-hmm. And um, when I retire, I do not want to be unable to do those things. Um, it's important for me to be active. And so that's my why. I want to be healthy. It's a very, it's a big why for me. Yeah. And then um, the thing that happened. Um, so I, um, Okay, <laughs> so I was in this period of my life. Um, it was um, probably about March or maybe April. And it was before I had started this, so I don't know how many months it's been because it seems like it's been about seven months. But anyway, um, I was trying to not eat the candy at work <laughs> and driving a different way home and doing these things to put myself towards what I wanted to do. And um, I had um, gone shopping and generally I stay away from um, things in, in um, processed foods, processed foods of, I like processed foods and I ate a lot of them, um, but sometimes it would um, just, it just made me not feel good. It wasn't nauseous or it just made me not feel good in general to eat processed foods, but I saw this jar of cheese sauce and I thought, 
oh, I haven't had that in a long time. I'll just get some of this, you know? <laughs> so I bought some. I made myself this lovely taco salad, lots of lettuce and vegetables. And I put some taco meat on there. And, and then I got these, also these corn chips. So I'm eating these corn chips and dipping it in this cheese sauce. And I'm watching television. I'm not paying any attention. And before you know it, I had eaten a good portion of the cheese sauce. Anyway, it was really good. And so I told myself, my husband walked through the living room. He gave me this look. It's like looking at me like, because I don't usually eat that. Yeah. But he didn't say anything. But I just knew what he was thinking in his head. You know, <laughs> why are you eating that? So then um, a couple hours go by and boy, that was really darn good. So I just had a little bit more, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At this point, this 16 ounce jar was probably almost half, close to half gone at this point. So anyway, and I just really was not feeling that great. I didn't really feel sick. I just didn't feel well. And so I go to bed, I wake up in the morning, hop in the shower, I'm going to go to work. And I was nauseated. I did not feel good that morning. I did not eat breakfast. I I had volunteered to work that day and I'm a nurse here. I'm in the hospital. I'm just feeling nauseated. And I'm like, what is going on? And um, so sure enough, I ran to the bathroom and I was so sick. I had broken blood vessels all over my So sick. I had to go home and um, I had this terrible pain in my stomach, this epigastric pain. And I kept burping and burping and I, was so sick I couldn't eat all day. Next day I went into work. I just wasn't feeling well. I had this lump. Um, and I'm like, what is going on? You know, I kept burping and burping. So I'm looking up symptoms and trying to figure it out. And I'm like, oh dang, I have a hiatal hernia. I gave myself a hiatal hernia. <laughs> I, oh no. I I I just, I made myself a little bit of potatoes. I ate a little bit of banana. I just couldn't eat. Make an appointment with the doctor who also sends me to the GI specialist. And they order me like Nexium or um, acid reflux. (laughs) Like, I don't have reflux. My stomach is in my esophagus. I can't eat anything. I'm in terrible pain, you know? So, yeah. So, um, that's what happened. And I, um, wasn't, I didn't want to take any medicine. You know, a, a lot of medicine is covering up symptoms, Yeah, not addressing the problem. <laughs> so I came home and I jumped up and down a lot and looked at some videos. I pressed, there's some um, decompression. You can do pressing in the area. I also have a vibration plate. I got on. And after two days, my hiatal hernia was gone. So it kind of went back into place, which is. It went back into place and it, I was miserable and it was a wake up call for me. I just, I wasn't going to do it anymore. Um, I had starting doing more research, you know, on my, what my main problems were, but at that point, you know, I hadn't gone the insulin route you know, hanging out there. I think that's really important for anyone who has a desire to change is to keep your eye on your why. I really like that statement. And like your why is your health. But I think part of that too, is what are we trying to avoid? 
Um, mm-hmm. and you're a nurse, you, you, you mentioned that your dad had severe diabetes and cardiovascular disease. I've seen people with amputations. I've seen people who had strokes and could never talk or communicate with their loved ones again, or go up and down the stairs. And it's like, when you keep your eye on your why, that means keeping a, an eye on where you want to go, but also an eye, not, not a fearful eye, but just an awareness of, wow, I don't want to go back there again. And I think that can be really motivating. It's, it's very motivating for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling a lot better now. I really worry about people and it breaks my heart um, that this education just is not mainstream yet. You know, years ago, you know, I heard about, you know, Atkins and, you know, all these different things. And I just thought, you know, everybody was a bunch of quacks and, you know, what do you mean? Oatmeal is not good for you. What do you mean? I mean, um, before I was a nurse, even while I was a nurse, I'd even buy orange juice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? On the high V, like on the automated blood pressure cuff and the Plattsmouth high V, they talk about like weight loss and eat the rainbow. And they encourage you to have six ounces of orange juice a day to get your orange. It's terrible. Like, ridiculous, you know? <laughs> and um, I'll still see uh, like hospital discharge paperwork after someone has a, a heart attack that encourages them to eat more canola oil because it's a polyunsaturated yes. fat. And I'm like, where, how is there such a big gap in the evidence and the implementation, the evidence and the advice, there's such a big gap still. And I've seen research, I don't know, like 18 to 20 years between the time the evidence comes out and the time the doctor is talking about it. And so that's why I love the internet is like, you can learn something and share it right away. And the people that want to learn can learn, you know, and they don't have to have that gap time. Um, so I loved hearing about the why and kind of just that spark. And I hope that people listening recognize their own wake up calls or even better recognize the, the little pebbles or the, the little rocks before they get kind that kind of wake up call. Because I mean, the longer you put off a problem, the bigger, the problem gets like the heavy, the heavier, the bolder is to move, you know? And I, I, I'm such a big advocate because every Every dollar, minute, an ounce of energy that is invested into your health now will have a greater return on your investment when you're retired. And not only that, but it's not like you're putting money into a 401k that you can't take out until you're retired, but like you get to reap the benefits now. So yes, can you talk a little bit about kind of where you started and then like, what are some of the, the benefits that you're reaping now? Like what are, what's some of the progress that you've seen? Well, um, around the. The, the cheese incident, um, which made me reevaluate everything again. <laughs> so I'm looking at my waist circumference. Now I'm looking at my blood pressure. I'm looking at my fasting blood sugars. And I realize I have metabolic syndrome. I have hypertension. Um, I'm pre-diabetic. Um, the doctor didn't diagnose me with these things. I I just know from reading that I have these things and I could go into the doctor and they would agree with me. <laughs> so, um, I, I just didn't. Um, so, you know, I just really started working on it. And actually at this point I am, um, Oh, I also had to revisit some old labs from, um, four or five years ago. And then I had them redone last year that I had elevated liver enzymes. Right. Yeah. And my, family doctor who didn't believe in hormone replacement 
um, just said, oh, we'll just keep an eye on that. And I, I, even being a nurse, which is embarrassing to say, I just thought it was from a virus because I had been in, I was sick. I figured, well, I had a virus. My liver enzymes are just elevated from this virus. And um, um, then I just had to go back and revisit some things and learned um, that I have fatty liver disease. And I also learned that the normal ranges for ALT, AST, alkaline phosphatase, and GGT, the normal raises, the normal values have been moved up. They have been. Yep. So, um, so many people have fatty liver disease now that it's now going to be the number one cause of liver transplants in America mm-hmm. to be alcoholism. And it's much like alcoholism. The sugar is very damaging to your liver and in particular fructose. Yep. And so, um, I'm now paying more attention to that. So um, my blood pressure has steadily come down. I'm now mostly in the one teens. The other day I checked it at work, I was hundred over 59. Nice. Yeah. Um, my blood sugars are mostly under a hundred every now and then they're a hundred. Um, but um, I still have a ways to go. My liver enzymes are a lot better. Um, I I had an appointment with a um, gastroenterologist who is um, going to be um, letting me have some tests every three months to check on my progress. Um, there, there is a point when you have liver disease that it's not reversible. And a lot of people don't know that. When you have fatty liver disease, you can get rid of your fat and then you can be fine. But for some people who have a fatty liver it affects their enzymes. And I'm one of those people. Um, so that means you're having some liver damage. And a lot of times that damage can be reversed. But if you have the fat in your liver for long enough, you're going to have scarring. Mm-hmm. Once you have the scarring, that is not reversible. I have researched this, studied this. I didn't want to believe it. I've done a lot of bargaining. I don't know where I'm at. Um, a lot of people do not know this. Mm-hmm. And they can even look at their liver enzymes from their doctor and it could just be a little bit higher, you know, in the you know, 35, I can't remember the exact numbers, AST, ALT, you know, 35, 40. Oh, that's not too bad. But we've raised the bar yeah. on these enzymes and yeah. um, it, it, it is not good. Yeah, I think there's... Um there's a story I wanted to share that's relatable to that. And the, the fact that your doctor said, Oh, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was speaking to a good friend recently and she went into her doctor and she said, I am concerned about my weight and she's maybe slightly overweight. And, uh, the doctor said, well, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I like when my women have a little extra weight on them in case they get sick, completely dismissed her concern, did not address it at all. But it gave, then she said, you know, Morgan, it gave me a false sense of security that I didn't need to do anything. And it made me not listen to myself. And I, I think the modern term for that is gaslighting, like where, where yeah. pay attention to your, um, to, to your concern. And then they make you start to question your own beliefs about your body, you know? And so I think that that's just important for anyone who's listening. If you feel 
concerned about something and your doctor isn't just like Rebecca did go get a second opinion. Do she just, you can tell she's done so much independent research into these topics, into her health. And, um, I'm so proud of you, first of all, for taking action. And I think it's really unique. The situation that you're in, you're a nurse, we're still in COVID. Are you guys still having to like be fully masked and all that stuff? Um, yeah, we're, we're still wearing masks. I'm, I'm okay to wear a mask at work. You know, but I think you, you didn't use the stress of work as an excuse to not take action, to improve your health. You kind of said enough is enough. And I have the, to take action. The stress at work made it so much worse. And, you know, it's another one of the um, things that you find out through your program that you teach so well is about how cortisol goes up and then cortisol makes your insulin go up. Now your insulin's up, you're in a fight or flight and you have to do something, but there's nothing you can do. <laughs> and so you eat a candy bar. Right? The problem gets even worse. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and we've, we've talked about the program a little bit, but I love when people take what I teach and make it their own. And I feel like you've done that, but we haven't talked about that yet. And you talk about your pillars and I would love for you to explain, um, a little bit more, what are your pillars of health and like, what is your, the system that you've really worked, um, to implement, to change your lifestyle? Well, um, in the atomic habits and in your, um, information and material also, um, when you want to do something, you want to make it easy. You want to make it obvious. I can't remember all of them. Yeah. Um, you want to make it rewarding. Yes. Easy, uh, satisfying. Satisfying. What satisfying. is that? I just talked about this. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, attractive. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, um, my pillars are, um, water, sleep, exercise, healthy diet and stress management. Nice. Good. Good. And, um, for my stress management, I take more time for myself now. I, I don't, I mean, for some people, they need to schedule it. Um, I get some days off during the week to myself um, where I like to go walking in the woods and I like music. Um, I, I do a lot of art, but I haven't been recently. I like to um, make things out of stained glass. Nice. Um, I have um, healthy outlets. So, and also I've been practicing more of the mindfulness I even have an alarm on my watch, but usually goes off at a bad time. <laughs> Be mindful. I'm too busy. I know. <laughs> Wait, I'll, do that. Account, I'll do it right? tomorrow. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so those are my pillars. So I made it easy. I have my two water bottles. I, I take my little cup to bed every night, my little 10 ounce. In the morning, I finish it. Then I have another cup. There's 20 ounces out of the way. I fill my two water bottles and I just take that with me to work or I have them on the counter. Um, I have my easy meals, very easy. Um, I had to figure out when am I going to eat? Yeah. Rewriting my whole story. So, okay. When I'm home, I'm going to make eggs. And when I'm at work, I'm going to do a shake. Mm -hmm. I do very healthy shakes with low glycemic berries. I'll throw in some spinach, some chia, some flax. I grind my flax seeds and put my chia in whole. Uh-huh. That's, you're not, anyway, I can't get the stuff out of the flax seeds if they're not ground. And then you want to keep your chia whole. Anyway, I've been reading about all this stuff. 
Yeah. Made it easy. And I see things up the night before. Um, if I'm not working the night before, it's all ready to go. So I get up in the morning, drink my water. I exercise every morning. Um, if I'm home, I do my eggs. I've got four or five different egg things I can do to keep nice. it interesting. Yeah. I've got a couple different shape things I can do to keep it interesting. And then I just have my dinner. So my dinner, I do my lunch the day before. Um, it always starts with protein. I usually have to eat, um, and I start all my meals with protein. I eat two times a day. I get a minimum of 50 grams of protein. Nice. I like that. I was getting too full. Um, I use gelatin in my coffee. So I get 11 grams of um, protein just in my coffee. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I just start with the protein. I put in the fat. This is more of a high protein, moderate fat. Yep. I am. And I am never hungry. My, my cravings are gone. Um, I take some, some melatonin and every now and then I'll take a little half of an over the counter sleep um, medication, the lowest dose I can, but I'm sleeping. Um, I found, I was going to get on, um, um, hormones. And I went to the doctor about it and I have a prescription, but I thought first I would try some bioidentical cream that's over the counter. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just tried that. I know that I'm low on everything because a couple of years ago I had my labs drawn and I, um, there's two vitamins I take um, for my hormones, DHEA and pregnenolone. They both Mm -hmm. progesterone, progesterone and estrogen. And then I do the cream, estrogen cream and progesterone cream at night before I go to bed. So now I have habits that I didn't used to have before. Yep. I used to come home from work and sit on the couch and eat. <laughs> now I take my melatonin and I might drink a calming tea and I relax on my drive home. And then when I come home, I go straight into my bedroom, into the bathroom. And I take care of myself and I I sleep. Yeah. So I am hitting all my pillars consistently. Yeah. And I I just love how you use that language around it. I wanted to ask your husband's, if you don't mind, how has he been throughout this process? Because it sounds like a lot has had to change. So was that a struggle? Um, Is he on board? Is he like, (laughs) how is that looking? Well, my poor husband. He has been with me through thick and thin when I was thin and when I was thick yeah. <laughs> marathon, <laughs> he's always been supportive yeah. and, you know, he knew I was, um, trying something again. And he, he said something, it, it was not negative, but he, he worries about my health and he wants me to be happy. Mm-hmm. I'm loved. And, um, so I, I just told him, well, I just really feel like, um, if, if, if I were to, if I'm on my deathbed, what are the things in my life I'm going to regret, you know, and the biggest thing I'm going to regret is that I've never been able to keep my weight off and live just a calm life without having this constant struggle. And 
you know, he, he, he doesn't want to see me hurt. And he did say something about, I can't remember what he said, but I just said, well, think about if I, if I were smoking cigarettes, would you tell me to not try to quit smoking? What if I'm drinking or what if I have a problem with drugs? Would you tell me to not try to stop doing that? I have a problem and I, I don't feel that I can stop trying. Yeah. And, um, that's why I told, and he's supportive every now and then though, <laughs> he might say like, are you supposed to be eating that? <laughs> and yeah, I am. You know, I'm, it might be my day that I get to have my keto cupcake. Yeah. So, and I just really feel it's important to, to let ourselves have a little leeway every now and then. And me too. My leeway is just something that doesn't have sugar in. Right. And I think that's so important for people listening. They get this idea that there's like one right way to do it. And there's not, there's truly not Mm -hmm. like there's Mm -hmm. your way, your way, whatever works for you is the right way. But Mm -hmm. I think that's going to take some experimenting and it's going to take trial and error and it's going to take time to figure out. Yeah. For me, it was a lot of experimenting, a lot of failure, a lot of, Oh, I, I messed up. What can I do differently tomorrow? Maybe I need to move this here. Maybe I need to organize my bathroom differently. Maybe I need to, there was a lot of organization and changing, make it easy, make it mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah. Obvious. Yeah. Um, things like that. Yeah. I think that's important that people recognize like, okay, well, okay. So she's a success story. Like it didn't happen overnight and you failed your way there. And like, I think that I would attest to, I love the quote, like you fail your way to success. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. Love. Well, you told me one time when I was in tears (laughs) that early on, (laughs) you can have a plan, you know, but you, what, what say, say you don't, you, you don't um, rise to to the, Mm -hmm. To your plan, you you fall to the level of your processes. Yeah. There's yeah. something. How does that yeah, go? So that comes from James Clear, Atomic Habits, and he says you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems, and you yes. embrace that so much. So I had to. I got my. I had to have my systems locked in, and I might have a week where I I weigh myself every week. Sometimes I weigh myself a couple more times, but mainly once a week. I might have a goal. I'm going to lose two pounds this week. Then I don't lose. It's just not a good goal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my goal is weight to get healthier, but you know, sometimes your body has a different plan and sometimes your body might not feel it's safe this week to lose another pound. Maybe we need to wait a week or two. And then if it's okay, then I'll give up another pound. And, um, yeah, now, now I'm at 50 pounds. Oh my goodness. That's a, that's um, more than a whole plate at the gym. Congratulations. I'm, I'm down 50 pounds. Um, I'm not, I'm running, not regularly. I, um, I'm like interval running because I want to get back to running, but I don't want to have an injury. And I thought that my legs were strong and I found that my legs are very weak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hips. So yeah. I was runner's knee and I had to strengthen my hips. And so I'm, I'm going slowly and, um, I'm getting healthier every day. I love that. I wanted to ask where you see yourself going because you were taught, we were talking offline. We we're going to post a couple, I said before and after pictures, and you were very quick to say, Oh, it's not after yet. 
And I said, you're absolutely no. right. This is just before <laughs> and now. Um, so where do you see yourself progressing from here? Well, um, I want to be realistic and honest and objective. And so um, I have like a number in mind, but I don't know um, that that. So I decided what I'll do is when I get down to maybe about 130 pounds or so, I want to get a DEXA scan. Okay. Yeah. What is my, um, how much fat, how much bone, how much muscle to get a real good realistic understanding of where I'm at, you know, and also my labs and how I feel. And then I'll make a decision at that point when I'm at 130 pounds, which is, um, it's still a little, little ways away. Yeah. So you know, you're on your way, you're on your way. Yeah. So, so getting a, a scale to, to more fully assess body composition, yes. that's on the horizon. What else is on the horizon for you? Um, well, my goal next year is I want to be able to run for an hour. Um, I, you know, just like that marathon, I mean, nobody needs to run for four and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was a little extreme. I tend to be a little extreme sometimes. So when it comes to exercising, I really do love exercising once I get around to it. Mm -hmm. Did I fall off the wagon? I I was not exercising. So um, my goal is next year, I want to do this run. Um, It's called, it's the firecracker and it's a 5k run. It's something I used to run all the time. I call it the, I call it the the block. Mm -hmm. It's five miles. (laughs) So my goal, five mile run. Okay. Yeah. And my goal is to run around the block five miles next year and, and do it comfortably and easily. Yeah, you can do it. And I know something that has helped me if you, maybe you probably already have studied heart rate zones. Have you studied those? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have. And it's really hard for me to get my heart rate. I am <laughs> going to the gym. Um, but, well, I also have a treadmill here at home that my husband found for me and set up for me because Aww. he's supportive and wonderful. But uh, I actually have to put on a weight vest and put my treadmill, like if I'm walking on the treadmill, I have to work really hard to get my heart rate up to 100. Really? Yes. Oh, geez. I, I just got back into running. I think I've shared this in office hours. And I was trying to run like I was 18 and go with that pace. And I was Mm -hmm. frustrated that I couldn't sustain like three miles is like my happy place. And, um, I finally just slowed down and studied my heart rate zone to stay in like that target heart rate zone that you can. So it was zone three for me. And in the new exercise lesson in the January course, you'll learn how to do that and like how to calculate how, how to calculate yours. So when you really pick up the training again, I'd encourage you to like figure it out. And then when you're running, check your heart rate every now and then, and like, see where you're at. Cause that was helpful for me. When I was doing my interval running, I can get my heart rate up to about 140, And I like that. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, mine is 150. So that sounds pretty good for, for a 140. but, um, I just wanted to, again, acknowledge you just for, you know, you work as a nurse, first of all, I should have done that up front for, especially during COVID you're one of the frontline workers and, um, that's very admirable. And then just setting an example for your coworkers and your spouse. And like, most importantly, just for you, so that you don't get to your deathbed and you're like, ah, I wish I would have figured this out. And I know that you're not done yet. This is a never ending process. Um, but I think just taking a moment to acknowledge how far you've come 
is a pretty darn big deal. So thank you for sharing your story today, Rebecca. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on or share? Um, no, just to, I would like everybody to know that the diabetes rates in America is, is very high. It's just getting higher and higher and, and our children are getting affected. And uh, I, I'm just really worried. I, I just wish everybody could be healthy and feel what it's like and know that um, there's life, there's a way of living that is satisfying. And I'm very satisfied right now. Mm -hmm. I don't, my cravings are gone. I, I never would have thought that I could lose weight and, and not have cravings. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, I second that, you know, there's a study that came out a few years ago, 88% of adults have some degree of metabolic dysfunction, i.e. insulin resistance. Most people have no idea. Uh, there's a lot of people with pre-diabetes out there and their doctors like, Oh, you don't have to do anything yet. Mm -hmm. There is a, a member in office hours, remember. And, um, what wasn't it, was it you or was it a different one? thought it was you. Oh, I was, yeah, I was talking about checking my blood sugar. Exactly, yeah. Tell that story to wrap it up. That's yeah. There was, there was a doctor at work and yeah. was saying something about checking my blood sugar and, um, that I wasn't diabetic, but I keep checking my blood sugar and what my blood sugar was that morning. And he says, well, if you're not diabetic, why are you checking your blood sugar? And I said, well, because I don't want to be diabetic. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say to that? I was, we didn't he get didn't say, He didn't say anything. <laughs> it's obvious, I guess. But they're, they're so used to treating things after they happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's not what we're about. Yeah. We want to prevent it. Yeah. So kudos to you. You just made awesome progress. And I know you're a big inspiration for our sibling members and hopefully now even to the broader podcast and YouTube community and really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Reshape Your Health podcast today. To learn more about Zivli, our online course and coaching program to reverse insulin resistance for long-term weight loss and disease prevention, check out our website at www.zivli.com. That's Z-I-V-L-I.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a rating and review on your listening platform and share it with a friend. I'll talk with you at the same time, same place next week. Bye for now.